The 4th of November, 1922. Does that date mean anything to anybody? It's not your anniversary, don't panic. Was it your dad's birthday? Wow. That's not the one I was going for, but if it's the right answer, then that's amazing. 4th of November, 1922. Mean anything to anybody? It was the date... I'm surprised you don't know this, because it's so well known. It was the date that British archaeologist Howard Carter became the first person to enter the tomb of King Tutankhamun in over 3,000 years. And you're learning about that at school, which is why I found out about it. <laughs> but Tutankhamun's uh, burial chambers were found miraculously intact. I've got a picture of them. That's how they were discovered. Um, completely untouched uh, with uh, thousands of priceless golden objects and this golden coffin containing the mummy of the, of the teenage king, Tutankhamun. Carter arrived in Egypt in 1891. Um, it was thought that most of the tombs had been discovered, um, but he was adamant that there was this other tomb uh, and there were many more tombs. And in the first years of the 20th century, he discovered so many more tombs in Egypt. And um, uh, in 1922, on the 4th of November, he found some steps leading down to a doorway. And over three weeks, they ex excavated it and found another door. And after three weeks of doing this, uh, digging through the sand uh, and finding uh, these stairs going down, they discovered and broke through into this tomb. Carter leaned in with a candle, and someone behind him called through and said, Can you see anything? And he replied, Yes wonderful things. That's what he looked at. You know, 2,000 years ago, there were two other people that looked into a tomb. They looked into a tomb and they saw wonderful things, things they never expected to see, things they would never see. They didn't see gold and jewels and a sarcophagus. In fact, what they saw was the lack of what they saw because all they saw was some grave clothes that had been discarded for the king that had been placed in this tomb was the greatest king, greater than Tutankhamun, greater than any other king. He is the king of kings and he wasn't there because today we celebrate that Jesus is alive. I'm going to convince you this morning that this is, the day we celebrate today, is the most significant day in the history of humanity. It transforms and changes absolutely everything. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. I'm just going to read uh, two sections, verses 3 to 8, and then we'll jump down to verse 16. Paul writes this, For I pass unto you as most important, hear those words? Not just slightly important, not just mildly significant, but most important. What I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was risen on the third day according to the scriptures. This isn't just a, a, a blip, a moment in history. This was something throughout the whole of scripture pointing to this moment. And if you're in any doubt, then you need to know that he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve. And if that's not enough, then he appeared to over, to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. I love how Paul puts these little parentheses moments in to make it so real. And then he appeared to James. If you know James, the brother of Jesus, didn't believe who Jesus was. So he, he appeared to the doubters. He appeared to those that thought this wasn't possible and to the, po the apostles. Last of all, Paul talking about himself as the one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. Let's jump down to verse 16. See, God works through unlikely people and in ways that we wouldn't have thought possible. In verse 16, it says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is worthless, for you are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone else. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam we all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ, the first fruits. Afterwards at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when, he's hand, when he hands over the kingdom to the fa- God the Father and he abolishes all rule and all authority and power for he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death for God has put everything under his feet. Do you know what? Everybody wanted Jesus dead. The devil wanted Jesus dead. Because darkness can't stand the light, so it will do its best to try and snuff it out. The Romans wanted Jesus dead. They saw him as a troublemaker who was going to try and stir up the crowd and could cause a riot. The Jewish leaders wanted Jesus dead. He claimed to be the one true king, and yet he undermined their authority. Even those closest to him were willing to betray him. Others walked away as he stood before a makeshift court on trumped-up charges. Humiliated, flogged led out among the mockers, despised, rejected, and crucified. You know, there was no escape from crucifixion. You couldn't pretend to be dead in crucifixion. The Romans were masters of it. Thousands of people underwent the same torture, and it's not reported that a single one of them survived. And so we're in no doubt that Jesus was dead. And then he's taken from a tomb, uh, from a cross, sorry, and placed into a tomb, and this big stone is rolled in front of it, and Roman guards stand in front of it. That was Friday. That's what we remember Friday as we did the walk of witness, as we gathered, and we remembered that day. But this is Sunday. Luke 24, 1 to 6. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing spices that they had prepared. They expected to find someone dead, but what did they find? They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood uh, by them in dazzling cloths. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the man. He's not here, but he has risen. You know, we're resurrection people. Church, can I encourage you, don't live among the dead, live among the living. Those that went to the tomb expected to find someone dead. They carried the spices. That's what they went around living. They were carrying these spices for the dead. We can walk around living as if we're among the dead. Or we can choose to say what this day represents, what this day means is that Jesus is alive. And we get to be resurrection people and live in life. Some Christians just need a little tickle. Just be reminded that we've got life. Tickle monster, come and get you. Just remember what Jesus has done. Because that moment changes everything. The cross, the resurrection, what Paul calls most important. Whatever you deem to be important, what's most important is that Jesus died, Jesus was buried, and Jesus has risen again. That's what Paul calls most important. In fact, it takes up a third of Matthew, chapters 21 to 28, a third of Mark, chapters 11 to 16, a quarter of Luke, chapters 19 to 24, and over half of John, chapters 12 to 20. You know, Jesus' teaching is incredible. Jesus' miracles are phenomenal. His life was perfect and something to be marveled at. But it's this moment that we remember today. It's this moment that saves us. 
Without this moment, we might still well have people around the world that are following and seeking to live like this guy Jesus that lived 2,000 years ago. That might well happen, but we would have no hope. We would be dead in our error and our wrong. We would be lost without what we celebrate today. It's because of this moment, everything changes. The empty tomb, three things I'm going to share in the next few moments. The empty tomb means that we are forgiven. Don't ever let that become something that you do not marvel at. The empty tomb means that we're forgiven. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17, it says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. You know, there's an ancient Jewish myth set around the time of Israel wandering in the wilderness. And they worshipped God with this uh, portable traveling tent called a tabernacle. And around this tent was said to be posts that they put in the ground. And each year, the high priest would go into this tent and offer sacrifices for the people's sins. It was called the Day of Atonement. But the question was always, how would the people know that the sacrifice that's been made would be sufficient for their sins? How could they possibly know? With everything they've done, how could they know that that would be enough? Well, the Jewish myth says that people would hang scarlet rags on each of these posts around the tabernacle. And as the high priest comes out, if the, if the sacrifice was acceptable and the nation's sins were forgiven, then these scarlet rags would turn white. Though their sins were like scarlet, they've been turned white. See, on Good Friday, we stand guilty as charged. Our sin, our error, our wrong is red as scarlet. But on Easter Sunday, we're reminded that we're acquitted. That it's all gone. It's forgotten, forgiven forever. And how can we know that the sacrifice was enough? How can we know that Jesus' price that was paid is enough? It's because of the empty tomb. Jesus has risen. See, only God knows what is required for our sins to be forgiven. And by Jesus raising from the dead, God has made a declaration and a demonstration that Jesus' death is enough. That should get us a little bit excited. Because it's not on us. It's on us to receive and believe what Jesus has done. And it is enough. So on those days where you doubt that your sins are overwhelming you, that you cannot ever possibly be good enough for God, be reminded of the empty tomb. Because it's a declaration and a demonstration that that sacrifice was enough. See, the empty tomb means we're forgiven. The empty tomb also means that death has been defeated. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as Adam, just in, as in Adam we all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Do you know what? What's common to the whole of humanity? It's death. It's common to it. Every community has its cemetery. None of us will escape it. Everyone has to face it. In fact, Ernest Becker an anthropologist, he said this, the idea of death, the fear of it, haunts the human animal like nothing else. Maybe that's your experience. But for those who see the empty tomb and believe that Jesus is risen, you need to know that death has been defeated. It no longer has the final say. It no, never, no longer has the power to separate. For those that in Christ will be united. It no longer has that final say. It says, for as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. You see, Adam brought death into the world. 
If you go right back to the start, we see Adam and Eve in that garden. They're told by God to enjoy his blessings, the presence and the provision of God, to eat everything except the fruit of that one tree. But the temptation was too strong and they ate of that fruit. And as they eat of that fruit, they sin. And with sin comes death. Before Adam, there was no sin. Before Adam's sin, there was no death. Because death is the consequence of sin, Romans 6 tells us. Why? Why is sin, why is death the consequence of sin? Because sin separates us from the God of life. So you can't have both. And so sin, the consequence of sin is always death. But Jesus died and took the penalty for our sin He faced the judgment that was ours. He paid the price. He took on the punishment. And in that moment, he put death to death. Death died the day that Jesus rose again. It's the resurrection of Jesus. The empty tomb means death has been defeated. It holds no power. The issue for the Corinthians, as Paul writes to them, is that they believed that the resurrection was for Jesus. That he he rose again bodily, fully resurrected. But they didn't believe it was for them. They thought that's one thing for Jesus, but not for us. That's why Paul writes, he's the first fruits of those that have have risen. He's the first one to do it, but that's going to be the same for you as well. See, like many today, they think that when we die, a little bit of us called the soul floats up into the sky and spends eternity with Jesus on the clouds playing a harp. It's the prevailing view of of the idea of resurrection, but resurrection is is not just a word about life after death. It means one day we will rise, complete with body, physical resurrection, restored, set free, every tear wiped away, every pain gone, everything that comes against us will be no more, and we will live with him in a new heaven and a new earth. Resurrection means knowing that God is in the business of making all things new. That's why we can walk around as resurrection people in fullness of life, because God, you're making all things new, no matter what we face. No matter what we think how great the history was and how horrific life is now, get over it because God's making all things new. And we get to live in the reality of that moment now, not, not hark back to a bygone era or look forward to a, another moment in the future. We get to live it right now, bringing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. The eternity, the resurrection, the empty tomb means everything about life, death, and life after death has completely changed. You know, one of my spiritual heroes is Eugene Peterson, amazing man. He lived with the resurrection of the reality in the center of his life. In every single one of his rooms, he had an empty cross. And he did it to remind him, as he walked around his home, the reality of what the empty cross means for him in that moment. That he's forgiven. That death has been defeated. It's the same reason I, every single pair of trousers or shorts I wear, I have a cross in my pocket. Everywhere I go, I have a, this cross is in my pocket. And I'll sometimes stand there when life feels like it's overwhelming, And I'm just holding the cross. And it's reminding me, the empty tomb, the empty cross, Jesus, you've paid the price. This is feeling too much for me right now, but it's not too much for you. I need to live with the resurrection increasingly invading my life. Because the empty cross means that my sins are forgiven, that death has been defeated. You know, among Eugene Peterson's last words, he was was dying and he's speaking in tongues. Remembering his Pentecostal heritage. And some of the last words that he's heard to say are this. Let's go. Isn't that amazing? Let's go. Not, not, oh man, this is the end. Not, well, I I hope I did my best. I hope that was fun. Not, I did it my way. One of the most common songs you hear at a funeral. But let's go. Let's go. Because he knew the reality of the resurrection was that life is just about to start. 
because it means my sins are forgiven. It means death has been defeated. He did not fear the death that he faced because he knew what the resurrection meant. The resurrection means we can take Jesus at his word. The resurrection means that our sins are fully paid for at the cross. The resurrection means that Jesus takes our place and it was sufficient. The resurrection means eternity starts right now. Let's live in it. The resurrection means those who trust in Jesus will rise again with him. The resurrection means that God is in complete control. And the resurrection means that Jesus is Lord over death and Lord of life. It's the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, I'm ending here, verse 26, says the last enemy to be abolished is death, for God has put everything under his feet. See, the empty tomb means we're forgiven, the empty tomb means death has been defeated, and finally, the empty tomb means Jesus is Lord. God has put everything under his feet. Now, I'm not a fan of feet. I don't, I, I don't trust feet. They look a bit weird. They spend all day in socks. They get sweaty and fluffy. I'm not. A f- Some people, if you like feet, you, you have your thing and enjoy feet. But they're just a bit weird for me. My feet look weird as well. Like my second toe is bigger than my first. I just I look at it and think, I'm not sure. I just, I just don't like you. But feet are so significant. Feet in the biblical picture is an image of authority. If you look at ancient arts, you will see the gods are depicted with their feet on the kings. The kings have got their feet on the, the governing authorities. And the governing authorities have got their feet on the people. Because it is a symbol of rule and power. Whoever was beneath your feet was under your authority. And everything, that's what Paul says, everything has been placed under the feet of Jesus. Under the feet of the one who took the towel and washed the feet of his disciples. What a moment. The one who has all authority sits beneath the feet of those that he calls to go. I'm sure that's a sermon for another day. Death is under his feet. The devil is under his feet. Everything. The feet that wise man knelt before. The feet that rested in the palms of Mary. The feet that splashed in the Sea of Galilee. The feet that walked on the waves of the raging Sea of Galilee. The feet that made their way along the dusty road to Jerusalem. The feet that were kissed with tears and dried with hair. The feet that felt the gnarly roots of the olive tree in Gethsemane. The feet that were pierced with cruel nails and stained with blood. The feet that were laid to rest in a stone-cold tomb. The feet that on the third day stood and rose again in that same cold stone tomb. The feet that trampled over death, over the demonic and over every sin that separates us from God every single thing is under his feet because he has complete authority because Jesus is Lord Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 if Jesus didn't rise from the dead then we would be without hope we'd be dead in our sins not saved and he says to be pitied above all but Jesus did rise again and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. The cross is empty. The tomb is empty. And so we that believe and see the empty tomb can know that we live forgiven. We live the, the reality that death has been defeated. And we live declaring that Jesus is Lord. So we're going to stand and we're going to finish our time together this morning before we feast. Because it is a feast day. We're going to stand and we're going to sing together. So let's stand.